We're going to go to Psalm 23. Hopefully you're there in your Bible. Psalm 23. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, I told you last week, we're going to just slow this psalm down. And we're going to take one verse for the next six weeks. One verse at a time. Really blow it up. Pick it apart. Really let it sink into our hearts. You know, Psalm 23 is one of the most widely known, widely recited, widely used passages of all Scripture. And it's amazing. And, and one of the discussion questions you'll have on your discussion notes, whether it's online, on the, on the homepage, or if you got it picked up at the kiosk, on the back, it's, it's kind of saying, how did you use this? How did you, uh, how, how did you come to use, use this? How have you heard it used before? Talking about the, all the times that you might have heard this psalm. And, and it's, it's important for us to look at that. But, but as we slow down, what's important for us to do is really think about the passage. Because like you and I, we, we probably have this uh, mentality of, of memorization or of just recalling it. We've heard it over and over and over. We've heard it sung. We've heard it said. And, and we can just follow along in our sleep. What I want you to do, even as I read the passage today, as I read the scripture, I don't always read the scripture. I don't want to read the whole psalm. I just want you to listen. Don't, don't try to recite it because you know it by memory. Listen to the words. Listen to the instruction from God, the promises of, from God that are there, and let it become rich and vibrant again. Let it become new uh, all over again. I'll say this also, that Psalm 23 is where it is intentionally in the book. We had Psalm 22. We just came out of Psalm 22, and it's, it's, so it's between Psalm 22 and 24, right? That's how that works when we count. 23, 20, 22, 23, 24, right? So 22, though, we talked about the suffering of Jesus and, and, and how Jesus suffered and, and all his, the work he accomplished and finished through the cross, right? And that God had the victory through Christ's suffering. So Christ suffered. And then what we see in Psalm 23 is this enduring, caring relationship that's been established through the Messiah and through his suffering and through his victory over suffering and death. And then what we go to in Psalm 24, which we will start next year, right? Next summer we'll start Psalm 24. But we are going to look at the King of glory, that Christ is the King. And we're going to see the fullness of of his glory. And it kind of builds this wonderful picture that he suffered in a lowly way, that he, he suffered and died and rose victoriously, conquering death. And then he came into this relationship. He extended himself as a shepherd in a relationship to us. And then finally, because of that, we see at the end that he will establish and reveal his glory and that he is the king of glory. So it's an amazing position of where it is. And you can study more about that as well on your own. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll go ahead and read the passage of Scripture together and get to work. Father, we, we are so glad to be here today. We're so glad to gather, um, God, together in your midst. God, we're grateful to be able to worship you with the praise that you deserve. And Father, we, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be active right now, continuing to move in our midst, that God, to convict us of sin and God, move us to a place of repentance and restoration. God, we want to be challenged and shaped by you. So God, as we look to your word, may our minds and our hearts be open and receptive to receive the truth you have there within. We thank you for that truth. We yield our hearts to it now. Conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we are in Psalm 23. We'll read the entire passage together, uh, although we're only doing the first verse. Again, please listen. And really take in, soak in the words. It's so easy for us just to, oh, I can recite that by memory. Hopefully because I'm reading out of the CSB, it will, it will kind of ruin that. Because we, we normally remember this out of what? 
It's the King James. Like I, I, New King James or King James, that's how we re- remembered it. There's the shells and the, all the thighs and these. This is a little different. It becomes a little more, a little more full and rich. Right? You can understand it. I, I'm a simple guy. You can understand a little more here. You guys ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the bright paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So today we're going to look at Psalm 23 in a, in a deep way, at least in verse 1. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And, it's, and we're going to see what does that entail? What, what is the psalmist saying here? What can we learn from David? And what do we learn about uh, ourselves from God as presented through this passage? So number one, we see there's three different aspects that we're going to look at today. The first aspect is this. Number one, the Lord is a shepherd. So I'm going to emphasize the word Lord, and I did that on your notes. Lord and shepherd here. The Lord is a shepherd. First, talk about Lord. This name of God here in Scripture in Psalm 23 is Yahweh. It is the covenantial name of God, that he is the self-existent one who pursues his people for his purposes and his glory. It's the self-existent covenant name of God. So as David writes this psalm, David is saying, this is the God of the universe. And oftentimes they would use the word El, or the, the term Elohim for God. They say, oh, it's just God. It's an impersonal way to address God. It's like saying Mr. So-and-so. But when you talk about Yahweh, it's that, that personal connection has been made now and it goes deeper. It's like calling someone their first name rather than, than just Mr. So-and-so. And I don't want to make light of the term Yahweh. That's not what we're doing here. He is still the self-existent one, the God of all creation, the God of all the universe, but it's showing a covenant nature of God as well. So it's not just that he is Elohim and he's God over creation. He is Yahweh, who is a personal God, the same God who is self-existent, also, and who created the heavens and earth, also pursues you and I in covenantial, faithful, steadfast love. That it's enduring. And we talked about this at length when we went through our Ruth series, right? The Hesed love of God. That's that covenant, faithful love of God that he pursues us with. And it's so important for us to understand that in his nature, he is doing everything towards us and for us in line with his covenant-keeping purposes. That's who God is. So he says, the Lord, this, this God, Yahweh, this covenant God, is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So we talked about Lord. Let's move to shepherd here. Now David, again, writing this, he he writes what he knew, and he writes what he's known and experienced. He's, write what, he's written what has been described of not only himself, but of God. See, David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. He spent many of his early years being a shepherd, right, caring for sheep. So this image of a shepherd and a flock was engraved in his mind. He knew what it took to be a shepherd. He also knew, because he knew what it took to be a shepherd, he knew how much need there was in sheep. So this is engraved in his mind. It made an easy connection for him uh, for, with the relationship that he had with the Lord through his time he spent as a shepherd. This is something I've, I've mentioned before from my own personal story. When I became a dad, 
I understood way differently and probably more clearly what it meant to address God as a father. Now, I was a father, and I became a father, and I had little ones, and I have little ones, right? And they run around, and I, I'm, I'm the father to them. And I, I can see the, the, the burden, the responsibility, the, the, the necessity for me to care for them, to nurture them, to help them grow, to guide them. All of these things that I thought I didn't need to do, right? I was like, I'm just, I'm just a guy without kids at one point, and now I have kids. So I see the, the depth of this role of father. It, it's, it's, it opens your eyes more. If you're a parent, you, you're opening your eyes more to seeing how God has addressed his father and what that means. And it's more clear, especially... When you look at the, look, for me, when I look at my kids, like, holy cow, these kids are running amok, or they're, they're lipping off, or they're sassing back, or they're, they're hurting each other for no reason, or whatever it might be, and they're, they're unreasonable at times. And what it does, though, is what? Because I'm a father to them, what I need to understand, if I address my father in heaven, I am actually the child now. Not only do I understand what it's like to be a father, now I understand what it's like to be a child and how childish I can be. See, David had this perspective too. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd, but because he cared for sheep, and he knew sheep, and he understood what they did and what they didn't do, and how dumb they might have been, he totally could identify himself as a sheep with God as his shepherd. And it means so much. There's such a fullness there. There's a richness in that, isn't there? There's a richness that says, Man, I, I, yeah, I've been a shepherd. I'm strong and tough, and I guide my sheep, and I take care of them, and I understand the deep need they have for me to do that. But then when I understand my position in relationship to God as shepherd, I now become the sheep. I'm the one that's weak and helpless and making dumb decisions. I'm that sheep that needs protection. I'm that sheep that needs guidance. I'm that sheep that needs to be coddled and picked up and cared for. I need to be led to places to eat and to drink. That's the depth of what he's saying here. He says, the Lord is a shepherd. I want to read a couple different passages where, where we see David experiencing and, and being called a shepherd. Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 17, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, of great story here, but um, he talks about this, it's getting, building up to the David and Goliath incident. And we see that David in 1 Samuel 17, and we'll read 13 through 14, Jesse had, uh, Jesse's three oldest sons, had followed Saul out to war. So there were a lot of sons. I think they had nine total. Their names were Eliab and the, first, uh, the firstborn, uh, Abinadad the next, and Shammah the third. And David was the youngest. So I skipped a bunch of them. And David was the youngest, right? The three oldest had followed Saul, but David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. So David was the youngest, and he was out caring for the sheep. Uh, one of those lowly positions, by the way. It's this lowly position of, of being a shepherd. Is like, well, it's, get the youngest kid. He can go out and take care of that. It's a tough, dirty, nasty job. Who would want to do that? There's better things to do for you guys to go out. And, so he understood this as the youngest. He, it was a lowly, humble position, right? And then, then, but he faced a lot of, uh, of his own hardships out as a shepherd, right? Because tending for sheep was a difficult job. And, and he describes that later on in, in chapter 17, verses 34 and 35. He's talking to Saul about Goliath. And he's talking about how he, he's, he's ready to fight him and go out and take care of him. Uh, Goliath is defying God. Certainly God will be on David's side. And here's what David says. And, and it's, it's a great picture of David's service as a shepherd. David answered Saul. He said, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Okay. Whenever a lion or bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, 
I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. And David goes on to describe he's fought bear and lions and tigers, right? Oh, my. But he, he's, he's done this as a shepherd. He's, he's gone to protect the sheep, and he says that God has been on my side. And, and so he attributes not only his skill in those areas, but that the Lord is with him, right? The self-existent covenant God is with him, that when he fights Goliath, it will be the same. That he will take care of Israel, that God would take care of Israel using David, right? And God would have the victory through that. But he understood what it was like to be a shepherd. He was a shepherd. It was a humble job, and, and he was caring for helpless sheep, needy, needy, helpless sheep. And he attributes this role to God as shepherd. It's amazing that God would stoop to be our shepherd, isn't it? The God of the universe, the great I am, Yahweh, would humble himself in order to care for us. That's the picture we see here. See, we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want, and we go on and on and rattle that off. We may miss that. That the great I am, the Lord, Yahweh, has humbled himself to be a servant of us, to serve us, to care for us, to provide for us. Again, this was considered the lowliest of jobs. A, sh a shepherd would actually live with the sheep 24 hours a day with unwavering devotion and attention. Day and night, in good weather or bad weather, they were there to nurture. They were there to guide. They were there to protect the sheep. That was the livelihood of the family, after all. The shepherd assumed full responsibility for the needs and safety of his flock, even risking his own life for their protection. David understood that. It was ingrained in his mind. And this is what God has chosen to be for you and for me. That's rich. That's, there's a depth to that. It's amazing. A couple of examples of that in Scripture where it talks about the Lord being a shepherd. Psalm 77, 20. Let, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In Psalm 78, it says he led his people out like sheep. He guided them. So here's some, some attributes of what, what he did. He guided them like a flock in the wilderness. He led them to safety, and they were not afraid. Right? But the sea covered their enemies. He brought them into his holy territory. This is what God does for us as sheep. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep under His care. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. This is so important for us as we transition into this next point pretty quick. It's so important for us to understand the Lord, the great I am, the one that created everything, is, is covenantially pursuing and in love with you. And he's providing himself to you as a shepherd, one who care for and nurture at his own risk, at his own detriment, at his own suffering, that you and I could have life. And he guides us into safety. And he, he leads us to a place where we're not afraid and he says, we are the people of his pasture, sheep under his care. And today, if you hear his voice, if you hear the shepherd's voice, do not harden your hearts. It's interesting. So far in the Psalms, up to 23, uh, the Lord hasn't been referred to like this. He, he's been a rock or a fortress, a, a deliverer. 
He's been a shield or a king, etc. There's all these terms that have been used for God, but it hasn't been shepherd. And now David describes the Lord in this more relationally complete way. The shepherd is everything to its sheep. A guide, a physician, a protector. And listen, there's much comfort in knowing this. There's so much comfort in knowing this. That he's not just my rock and my fortress, a deliverer, the mighty one, a king. He's my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. And and this is where it becomes personal. But this is also where the hang-up lies. Because we see that the Lord, God Almighty, is a shepherd. But what we see in that passage also is what we see in point number two. That the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And and it's so rich to know that he's my shepherd. I, I want us to understand where the disconnect is. For millions, if not billions of people who have heard this passage, they think, yay, God is a shepherd. He'll lead us and guide us. That's not what it says. It's a personal God. It's a personal shepherd. He is my shepherd. That means I am his sheep. It has to go personal. Many people have taken a false comfort from Psalm 23 believing that the Lord is a shepherd and that they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But they have never exhibited actual faith in Christ or humbled themselves before the Lord as sheep, before the good shepherd as sheep. Listen, if you do not belong to Jesus, then the Lord is not your shepherd. That is very, very real for us to know. We have to understand that. This, this is not a universal for the world to know. Oh, the, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he? Is he your shepherd? If you know Jesus and love him, then Psalm 23 is for you. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10, if you would. You can keep your ribbon here if you'd like, but John chapter 10. Jesus talks a lot about uh, being the shepherd, a good shepherd, right? We're going to look at that together. I encourage you to read more of this passage later on with your family or, or by yourself, wherever it is, um, for more context and more fullness. But we're going to look at John 10. We're going to start at verse 11. We're going to go back up in a few minutes to, to verse 7. But we'll start at verse 11. And I want us to understand this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. It, it helps us understand when and why we can call him my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So John 10, beginning at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, he leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus is making this relationship. Listen, I am actually the one who cares for you. I laid down my life for you. Others wouldn't go to that extent. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That relationship, you see that? That sheep know the shepherd like the shepherd knows the Father. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. So Jesus here is, is saying, listen, I am the good shepherd. I'm going after sheep. The sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. They respond. But this isn't all the sheep I have. There are more sheep I'm going to bring into this sheep pen. And, and it's so important for us to hear and know that he is the good shepherd and that, that we are a people of his pasture. But we should not, when we hear this, harden our hearts. God wants us to respond in faith to the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, that we might be his sheep, his people, and be led in to his pen and out to his pasture. I want to keep reading here. Verse 25, you'll jump, or no, 22, jump down a little bit. Again, the Pharisees are listening and they're, they're all upset about this. And then it says, the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple of Solomon's colonnade. Uh, the Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. This is important. Listen. They come and basically say, stop, stop all the suspense. Stop the, the parables. Are you, are you the Messiah or aren't you the Messiah? Because he said he's a good shepherd. He lays down his life for his, his sheep. That The Father has sent him to do this work, and he, he lays it down his life willingly. It's like, this is awful close to saying you're the Messiah. Are you the Messiah or aren't you? Tell us plainly. Here's what it says, and this is where we harden our hearts. Verse 25. I did tell you, and you don't what? You don't believe. Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But, verse 26, you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. There's a relationship there, isn't there? For us to be his sheep, for, his, us to, for him to be my shepherd, we have to respond in faith and believe what the Lord Jesus has said about us and about himself being the Messiah, that we would believe and be saved and we would be his sheep. And here's what verse 27 says. Here's some, here's some indication or some test. Are, am, I, am I one of his sheep? Well, here's what he says about his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. There is this, this element of protection that the good shepherd has. And he calls us to faith. He calls us to believe. He calls us into the pen. And we best not neglect his voice. We better listen and not harden our hearts. Listen, you and I are all like sheep that have gone astray, aren't we? We've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. And we're in desperate, desperate need of a good shepherd who would lay down their life for us to draw us back in, to come out looking and dr drag us back in if necessary. But for you and I, we have to respond to the good shepherd, to the Savior, from the depth of our heart, from the depth of our need, from the depth of where we are as sheep, helpless sheep, and exhibit faith in Christ alone. And when we do that, then and only then will he be my shepherd. And I can say, he is my shepherd. This verse is not about comforting the entire world that, that God is a shepherd, although that should lead us to want to know more. This verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. And as I read that personally, I claim that. I understand that promise and I rest in that promise that he is my shepherd. I hope you can do the same. There are two things here said in John 10. Well, there are multiple things. Let's say actually three. There are three things. Three things that I want to show right now and highlight about 
this relationship between shepherd and sheep. How do we know? Am I, am I his sheep? Well, the first thing he said in verse 27 is, my sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice and they perk up. They, they know it's me calling. We'll see it later on that they respond to God's voice. They respond and they, they only listen to that voice because they know that voice. They trust that voice. As God calls out to you, I hope you hear his voice. And as you have put faith in Christ, now that voice is permanently etched in your mind and your memory. And that should be the one that we listen to. His sheep hear his voice. We, we listen for it. Listen for him calling and guiding and protecting us. The next he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. There's a depth here for, for God to know us and us to be known by God. It's so important. What is it gonna ha- what's going to happen at the end when we stand before Jesus, right? There's going to be this line of people and this judgment going on. And a lot of people will have, will have hardened their hearts and come and say, Oh, Lord, you're, you're my shepherd. Well, he'll say, Depart from me, what? I never knew you. Right? You, you say, I'm your shepherd now. Of course, every knee will bow now. But you never responded to my voice when it counted, when it mattered. And so for you and I, folks, that's today. That's right now. We don't know when we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do, we'll all kneel. We'll all cry out, my shepherd, my Lord, my God. But only his sheep will enter in because they actually said yes to his voice and didn't harden their hearts. It's time for you and I to soften our hearts now, to respond to the voice that's calling you to salvation, to say yes, to turn from yourself and say yes to him, that he is your portion forever. To know him in a way that he is your shepherd. So my sheep hear my voice. He says, I know them. And then finally it says, and they follow me. They follow me. Do you want to know a great test to see if you're one of his sheep? Do you do what he says? Do you go where he goes? Are you about your shepherd's business? Or are you a wandering stray sheep on some other field in someone else's property owned by somebody else? That's a great test. Number two is the Lord is my shepherd, right? It's my shepherd, personal. I hope you can say that. Finally, number three is this. We see there's nothing that I lack. There is nothing that I lack. I want to read that passage in John again. Go back to John. We'll look at verses 7 uh, through 10 together. 7 through 10. And Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will come in, or and will come in and then go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. It's an amazing passage. Jesus is talking about this this need that we have, this desperate need that he can fulfill. He says, I'm the gate. This is the first thing to understand, that he is the only way. There are all kinds of other shepherds out there, all kinds of other distractions out there, but he calls them thieves and robbers. Here's a question that you should answer for yourself. What are you or who are you allowing to shepherd you right now? Is it the voice of God? Is it the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus? 
Or is it someone or something else that's shepherding you? Are you listening to things that are, are there to steal and, and kill and destroy the thieves and robbers? Or are you listening to his voice and going in his gate? We don't, we don't always like to do that. We don't like to be uh, in that place of saying, well, there's only one option here. I want multiple options. I want power. I want to be able to make my own decisions. And certainly you may do that. But you and I need to understand that there is only one gate. And there's only one good shepherd. And we must enter through Christ alone. So again, it's not about, it's, it, it's all about yielding our hearts and not becoming hard-hearted, listening to his voice. He says, I'm the gate. If anyone enters by me, here's, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and then go out and find pasture. It's always been interesting. People have asked, well, what does that mean? That's crazy. Like, you go in and then it's like, you have to go out? No, when you come in, you have found your full satisfaction, and he will let you go out into his pasture where you will have everything you need. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy, but he says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. This is what the good shepherd promises us, that he will fulfill our needs. And, and I want to look at two different ways here that he meets our needs. There's at least two different ways, but two main ways we see. One is this, physically, he meets our needs. And the second is spiritually, right? That he's spiritually emotional way. Uh, look, look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. Turn there in your Bible if you would, please. Matthew chapter 6, first book of the New Testament. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be in verse 24. Jesus is preaching here and teaching us this new way to think and new way to, to live. And, and it's really an impressive thing to do. Uh, but he, he kind of pokes and prods a little bit and, and hits us where we don't want to be hit because it convicts us. But it helps us understand where we are in our own walk and where we need to be. Verse 24, I added that in there because there's a therefore on verse 25. So let's see what verse 24 says. It says, No one can serve two masters. Since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, there's a lot to be said about that in the, in the passage above. Go read that. Check that out. Actually, Dave Holst taught on uh, part of the passage in, in chapter 5 uh, at our Wednesday night. You can check that out on our, our YouTube channel or on our podcast and get that teaching as well. Very important. He says you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and, and despise the other. There's, there's only one, one master you can have. Sounds familiar with Jesus saying he's the gate. There are lots of other shepherds, lots of other places you can go, but I'm the only way to get to life. You can either serve me and come with me or you can follow someone else, right? He says, therefore, I tell you, if there's a God, you can serve God or, or another master. You only serve one. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. Uh, they don't sow or reap or gather in barns, yet your Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, th and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? 
For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Oh, how God loves you. How God's going to provide for your needs. He, he cares for all of His creation, and He is going to care for you, especially those who are His sheep. He will take good care to provide for you. And what we need to understand about this, when it, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want, or I lack for nothing, or I, there's nothing that I need, or I have everything I need, are the translations we see. It does not mean that God gives us everything we ask for. Rather, He cares deeply for us by giving us everything that we actually need. As sheep, we are helpless. Now, here's the... Here's the understanding. See, we think we're strong enough and we deserve more and I want this. What we have to understand is we are sheep. And as sheep who are helpless and who lack everything that they need, the good shepherd knows what his sheep need. If the God of the universe is your shepherd, you will lack for nothing. You will have everything that you need. He will guide, he will protect, he will nurture you as a good, good shepherd. So physically, he takes care of you. The second way we're going to look at is spiritually. He takes care of us spiritually. Turn to Lamentations. Book of Lamentations. And we're going to be in chapter uh, 3 of Lamentations. Lamentations 3, uh, verses 17 through 24. I shared this with a friend this week, and it just really, man, it was, it was resonating in my heart over and over how, how important this is and how important it is to see the way that God cares for our heart, the way that God cares for our soul and the deepest needs we actually have there. Lamentations is a lament, right? We've seen a lot of lamenting going on in the Psalms as we studied it this summer. We see lamentations and it's, it's this lament and, and there's this whole, whole bunch of crying out to God. And I want us to see some words here that would, would really make us understand how, how desperately we are sheep, how how much of an in need we are sheep. How These words should resonate with all of us in some form or fashion in some season of our life. The authors say this in verse 17. I, I have been deprived. So there's one of the words, deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. We all have seasons like this, folks. There are times in our life we feel deprived and forgotten and lost. Verse 19, remember my affliction. There it is. I'm afflicted in my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Verse 21, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. This is, this is a great transition. We have to understand, this is like what David would say. He says, even though this happens and this is all around me and they're surrounding me and I might die, even though, even though, even though, yet I will still trust. Yet I will still seek hope in the Lord. It's so important for us to change our thinking. And, and what was interesting in verse 20, he said, I continually remember them. and All these bad things, I continually ponder and remember them. And what happens when we do that? What happens when we ponder our, our, our pity and our sorrow and our grief and we, we stay stuck there? We become 
depressed. But there's a transition, isn't there? Yet, even though I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Well, what is this? Look at verse 22. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in Him. That's, that's it. That's where we ought to be. That's, that's the need He provides, that spiritual depth. Although we are depressed and afflicted and deprived and forgotten and lost, we have hope because God is faithful. He is our portion. The Good Shepherd provides for the needs of His sheep that we would lack nothing. When you and I are feeling hopeless, there is hope to be had. When we're feeling overwhelmed with grief, there is joy through His mercies that come and are new every single morning. We have to position ourselves in our heart in a way to remember that, to hold on to that. That is the truth of knowing that the Lord is my shepherd. We, like David, have the shepherd's promise. And we must believe it and let his peace and hope be our joy as we let him be our portion, as we let him be our shepherd. Amen? All right, let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, as we look at this psalm, I, I just pray that we would, we would tear it apart in a new way and you would reveal it, God, for what it really is. That, God, we wouldn't look at it with some preconceived idea of what it means or what it meant or how it's supposed to be read. But, God, we would actually see it for what it is. A promise from the God of the universe, the great I Am with a covenant faithful love towards us that He will be our shepherd, our guide, our physician, our protector when we need Him the most, which is every single day. Remind us of our relationship to Him, that we are His sheep, and without Him we lack everything. But with Him as our portion, we have ultimate hope and joy and safety and life. We thank You for that. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.